welcome into I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting, the self-proclaimed 43rd best Bama podcast on the internet. Here are your hosts, Tom Sims and Jason Tiffin. Is that the way you want to read? Man, Hey, welcome in to I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. Half of your host team here, Jason Tiffin, along with Tom Sims. Tom, let us know that you're listening. Uh, Not only am I listening, I'm going to contribute tonight as well. Well, that's good to know. Hopefully, the... uh, the technical difficulties will not rear their head until well after we are finished with this. But uh, as usual, I cut out last week. Yeah, I know, right? And I don't know what it is. I mean, I've got fast internet, but uh, we've talked about it off the air. We won't bore the listeners. And we'll jump right into the commentary tonight. And I, when I was watching the games this weekend, uh, something you know something came up on the screen. My my commentary is going to deal with uh, with the Heisman Trophy. So I'm watching Florida, Tennessee, and and they kept. It was, it was a central theme, and I was like, man, I hope I have commentary because I know exactly what I want to talk about. So I do, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and spoil it for everyone. I don't even know when the Heisman voting – you know, Urban Meyer's trying to get the Heisman voting kicked back to after the playoffs. He's trying to get Justin Fields and the conversation. Justin Fields is a fine player, but I don't know if he had an 11-game season if he's going to outplay the, the two quarterbacks in the SEC. And but I'm gonna I'm gonna break the Bama fans' hearts right now. Uh, Kyle Trask is gonna win the Heisman, and here's why: a number of reasons, and a, a lot of the reasons that really really chapped my ass. Um, one, he was playing with three minutes and change left this weekend against Tennessee. I don't remember the exact score, but I know the game was out of hand, and Daryl and I are watching it. Florida gets the ball back. I'm like, surely they're going to bring in Emory. Surely they're going to bring in Emory. Nope, they bring in Trask. Now, I think he only played one place. I don't even know what the point was of bringing him in. But the bottom line is he was in. And that is where – that's where Mullen is different than Saban. You know, that is the main reason – well, not the main reason. The main reason Tua didn't win the Heisman two years ago is because people like Danny Connell railed against him, railed against him. You know, Tua, remember how funny it was, how, how few snaps he took in the fourth quarter? I think his first fourth quarter snap was at LSU that year, and we beat them handily. And, you know, Saban could easily have gotten Tua the Heisman because he could have put all the numbers out of reach. It wouldn't matter what Kyler Murray would have done. He could have just put the numbers. He could have surpassed Joe Burrow's 60 touchdowns from last year. You know, Joe would have been chasing 60-something instead of chasing 50-whatever. But here's the to me, here's the main reason, and I said I think we're at our best and we do some research. So I, so I thought, you know, I'm going to take that to heart. I'm going to do some research this week. Oh, nice. So let's, let's just look at Saturday before we jump into the, the, the graph I have. Uh, Saturday, Mack had four touchdowns. Trask had four touchdowns. Mack's touchdown uh, dis- yardage distances were 20, 24, 62, 65. Uh, pretty solid, wouldn't you say? Very solid. And, and I, and yeah, I'm not an and idiot. Those weren't screens that were broken. No, and, yeah, and that's exactly what I was about to say. I, I'm not an idiot. I know that you know Tua had some where it was that little bump pass with the 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 jet, basically a jet sweep instead of tossing or handing it. You're just tapping the ball. Counts as the forward pass. You know Jerry Judy could take it uh, the distance. Henry Ruggs could take it the distance. Slim Reaper could take it the distance. Waddle and Waddle actually did a couple of games uh, last year for Tua. 
But most of these, most of Max passes are going in the air over the line of scrimmage. And, uh, you know, 20, 24, 62, 65, if you watch the Bama game, you can kind of, you can probably picture every touchdown he threw. Here's Trask four touchdowns, two yards, four yards, eight yards, and a whopping 12 yards. Boy, that was a doozy there, that 12 yards. But, I mean, I, I didn't, I just now doing the math in my head, that's 26 total yards he, he threw the ball for four touchdowns. And that's where Mullen is just trying to push Trask over over the finish line, and he's going to do a good job. Apparently, just chaps, it, it, like I said, it chaps my ass that he's going to. But here's what really irritates me. You know, we've talked about CBS is they cover the SEC. They don't cover. You know, ESPN has to be fair to everyone because they have contracts with three or four major conferences. You know, Notre Dame, NBC can push Notre Dame. They can push uh, Ian Book all they want to because he's the only show in town. But to me, the SEC, the CBS on the SEC on CBS, they have to be somewhat fair, somewhat equal. So I'm watching the Florida Tennessee game. They come back from a commercial break, and the first scene you see is Steve Spurrier floating in from the, a picture of Steve Spurrier floating in from the left. Uh, you know, with holding up his Heisman Trophy, then it floats a picture of um, of Danny Werfel, and then it floats a picture of Tim Tebow. Then they show the statues outside the stadium, and, and you know they make a comment. Yeah, you know Tim Tebow said, or I'm trying. No, I think Spurrier is in the center, and I think I think Werfel is to Spurrier's right, which means that uh, Werfel's left arm is open. You know, there's nothing like he's there's no statue to his left arm. And the reason I'm making a big deal of that, the announcer's like, yeah, you know, Danny Werfel said that he his left side's really open. He, he needs somebody there to cover it up or whatever. So they're talking – they're pushing trash for the Heisman. I got no problem with that. He plays on, on CBS. But they never – maybe mention Mac one time. Think about the Bama game. They never show Mark Ingram or Derrick Henry holding up their Heisman trophies. Granted, they play running back. Mac plays quarterback. I get that. But, I mean, come on. You know, these guys have won the Heismans. Tebow won a Heisman in the you know 2007. Their their most recent Heisman before that would be 96 Werfel. I mean we've got two since 07, and every time they bring up Mac for Heisman, they'd be like Mac and Trask, Mac and Trask, and it's it's just sickening. But here's let's let's look at the chart that I did, and we'll kind of close this out because you know where it's going. So I'm like I want to look at exactly how many touchdowns trask i want to see his yardages that he has thrown so i'm like well let's see the you know best way to do this five yards or less here's my here's my categories five yards or less 10 yards or less 20 yards or less 21 to 49 yards and then 50 plus and we i won't bore you with all the numbers uh we're going to focus on two on two two columns hear all the numbers well okay I, i can do that uh, well, quickly then, Trask, let's, let's go with the, the middle three. Ten yards or less, this is really weird to me. Uh, this is inside the ten, you know, first and goal from the eight. You know, first and goal from the nine, whatever. But not first and goal from the five or closer. Trask has two, Mac has three. Like, I would have really thought that would have been more of a, a you know, pass-happy zone there. Twenty yards or less, Trask has 11, Mac has seven. 21 between 21 and 49 yards trask has double what mac has uh, trask has 12 and uh, mac has six and that's, that's that's very solid numbers from trask but let's look at the first column that we didn't cover five yards or less okay because remember we have Najee. florida has no running game at all 
Can you win without a running game? We're going to find out because we're you know they they're on a collision course to play us. Finally, it's official. SEC championship game, Bama, Florida. Trask has eleven touchdown passes, five yards or less. Hell, he had two this past weekend. Do you want to guess what Mac has, five yards or less? None. He has two. Oh, he does have two. He has two. Good but job, 11, 11 to 2, so I'm like, and I wish I'd have done this with Florida. I'd already done the research. I wasn't going to go back through it. I don't know how many rushing touchdowns that, that, um, that Florida has inside the five. I'm going to say less than Bama. Uh, Najee has, from five yards and in, Najee has 11 and B-Rob has two. And I made sure, you know, maybe McClellan might have one or Roydale might have one, but I made sure that those touchdowns came with Max still in the game. So 13, we have 13 rushing touchdowns, five yards or less. If, if only – let's just let's say we had half of those. Let's say that's 13. Let's just say six more touchdown passes for Mac. That would be 11 to eight, plus another six touchdowns on top of, on top of him, on top of his total. Because as we know, Trask has 30-something. Mac, I think, is still in the high 20s. I think Trask is in the high 30s. And, like, Mullen is going to make sure that he, you know, he's going to push the envelope uh, again this weekend as Florida plays who? Uh, LSU. Um, But here's the interesting column to me, the most interesting column. 50 yards or greater, Trask has two touchdown passes, 50 yards or greater. Would you like to guess Mac's? Mac had two on Saturday. Two so on Saturday, so you know he's got I'm, two. <laughs> I'm gonna say that he's at least tied him. Uh, <laughs> I'll say uh, Mac averages probably. I'm gonna say he averages one per game, and so we've got nine games. I'm gonna say nine. That is solid. Did you? Are you looking? Or is my no, camera I'm on on my computer? Not, no, this he's is got great. nine. Does he's got awesome. nine. And to me, that is that is more impressive than the uh, inside the five. You know, but I mean that maybe that information is it really interested me. I, I and what was really interesting to me is I thought about this on Saturday. I'm like I can't wait to run the numbers on this and and it it, it measured out kind of like I thought it would. Um, you know, if Florida had a running game, Trask would have a lot less touchdown passes, and uh, at least I think he would. And the the fifty column fifty plus column of nine to two is is very impressive to me with Mac, but. I just I feel like, and I've said it. I said it three or four podcasts ago that the SEC championship game would not only decide a playoff berth, not only decide the SEC champion, it would decide the Heisman Trophy winner. And I I would love to be right, but I just I I, I don't know what it's going to take. I think Mac would have to throw for five, and Trask would have to throw for two or less. I think I think Mac with five, Trask with three. I think I think Trask still gets him. So that's just my two cents. I'll get your thoughts, and we'll move on to winners losers. That's a great little commentary. I love that. Uh, I was I was really digging those stats, and that that was super interesting about ta- uh, Trask's uh, touchdown throws from this past weekend. Four, and the longest one was what twelve yards. I think he said. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I actually was thinking about that myself because I was watching that game when he was throwing one of those. They were they were had it like first and goal from the two or the three or whatever it was, and first down he throws it, you know. And I and I thought about that at, at exactly that time. I was like, "Yep, he's 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 pushing those uh, touchdown receptions or touchdown throws. He's he's trying to pad those stats." Mm-hmm. But you're right. I mean that that that's super interesting. Um, and 
And, and you say the long over fifty yards is a telling stat, and it is. That is a that is a great stat. Uh, but I, I'm still that five yards or less, eleven touchdowns. That's, I mean, that's that's either trying to pad your TD stats, or your running game's that bad. Now, when I was watching them Saturday, they didn't even try to run it. So I'm mm. going to say it's more padding the stats than your running game that bad. But maybe they just, maybe they don't feel comfortable with the running game. I don't know. But nonetheless, um, I'm still sticking by my <laughs> prediction. Um, what what game was it? I said there it was, was Florida game. Georgia. Florida, Florida Georgia. Georgia. You said if Florida That's beats right. Georgia, Mac wins a Heisman. That's right. I'm sticking with that. I'm sticking with it. So well, I hope you're right. And uh, sadly, the you know Devontae to me is the best player in college football, and we've talked about this before. Oh, he's it so took good. it took the best player in college football getting hurt for uh six to become the be- best player in college football but he's he's un- he's unreal i mean you know we're so going good. to him and he consistently gets open yeah and on, on top of that of course we're we're sort of talking about some other stuff but i'll just kick kick right in there he was playing against the team that for all practical purposes to begin the year was supposed to have the best defensive back in the country Mm-hmm. or, you know, at least the top five defensive back in the country. And on top of that, Ogeron admitted after the game that they were their plan was to double-team him every time, and he had the best <laughs> DB in the country on him, and he still went for 230-3. That's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. He's, yeah, it he's it that is. good, though. All right, well, enough of that. Uh, we, you know, the Heisman Trophy, I think, will be voted on. I think they're going to treat the championship weekend as they would normally do, as, you know, championship weekend's on Saturday. Heisman vote is on Sunday, or that's when the deadline is. And then I don't know when they give it away because, heck, the next weekend is uh, is Christmas, you know. <laughs> I mean, I guess the 24th is Saturday. I don't know. I don't know. I don't keep up with it enough. Let's get move on to winners, losers. We got three winners and uh, really, on the, we don't have any teams on the losers because at this point, we're down to the nitty-gritty. I mean, we're down to only six or seven teams have a chance to make the playoffs. So, really, if you won and, and you're not you're irrelevant, who cares? Uh, winners, Bama, Florida, A&M. And uh, not Florida A&M. That would be FAMU. It's Bama, Florida, and Texas A&M. Didn't want to confuse anyone mm, there. Yeah. So, Tom, I'll let you start with Bama. Bama was – unbelievably balanced this weekend. I'm not telling anybody anything they don't know, but when you look at the stat line and you see Mac throws for 385 and 4 and Najee runs for 150 and I don't remember how many touchdowns he had, one or two. And then and we just talked about Devontae uh 230 plus and three touchdowns like you've got three Heisman Trophy candidates and you go into a game and all three of them perform Mm -hmm. I mean (laughs) you know it's like they're one of them's not having an off night it's very very fun to watch this offense it really is um defensively they only give up 350 yards on the day, but it seemed like they had some mental lapses at times. And, and that's, I mean, frankly, when you're up by 30 
early, it it's hard, I know, to stay focused. They give up 21 first downs in the day, which I was not so thrilled with. Uh, but again, only 350 yards. They, they, they did a good job against the rushing attack. They held them for less than 100 yards, and if they hadn't have broke off that long run, they'd probably only rush. I mean, you take that long run out of there, you're – they might have rushed for 50 on the day. Yeah, I didn't look at it, but yeah. So, probably. you know, all in all, solid. The revenge game, it was exactly the way it needed to be. I mean, we had the the most we'd ever scored against LSU uh, in, the, in the history of this series was 47. We had 45 at half. Halftime! <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I wish we'd have went ahead and scored 90. I really do. I was thinking about that. Yeah, it was just hanging at least 70. You know, yeah, hanging 70. Yeah. We could have hang, hung 70 on him. But Saban, you know, he's not that guy. He's, he's, he's no, no matter what he's up against, he's n- not the guy that's going to run it up. He's going he's gonna to end the game in a class fashion, and, and he did Saturday. But it was, it was solid. I'll take that all day, every day, every year. Oh yeah, like uh, like Doc Holliday said, or or whoever Val Kilmer's uh, character was in Tombstone, uh, he was after a reckoning, and that's what we were after. We were after a reckoning Saturday. I mean, LSU has talent, <clears throat> hence the seventeen points, but they don't play as a team. And it's funny, my my second bullet point: we could have scored ninety against them if we wanted to, and I firmly believe that. You know, Saban somewhat took the the foot off the pedal in the second half. And uh, it, it was a total ass kicking, but like, notice I said ass kicking, not domination, because like you referenced, you know, we gave up, we had some deficiencies on defense. It was a classic Saban. I mean, Saban loves this type of game. We were in, we were going to win. Uh, we knew very early we we're going to win, but we made enough mental mistakes on defense that he can chew their butts out, um, you know, all week long and make make uh, Arkansas appear like the uh, you know the seventy Steelers. So, which is what he, I think he loves to do. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how LSU celebrates the next time they beat us because I, all, all of our players are putting that uh, roll tide what on, you know, on their, uh, on their Insta, you know, Insta face <laughs> and um, facial book, all of their social media. They, you know, Saban acts like that he doesn't use that as motivation. He does, or, well, the program does. I know this. I went there. I uh, went to the AD back uh, when I was married to uh, to my ex-wife. She had a, a, a product she was going to try to sell, the University of Alabama, and we were about to Is play Arkansas. This was 2000, uh, 2010. <laughs> yeah, 2010. And, uh, and Arkansas had said something real inconspicuous. I didn't even t- take it as much of a slight, and they had it plastered all over the athletic department. So uh, we we do use the same motivational techniques that uh, that other teams use. Uh, you know, Florida was other big winner. I mean, they clinched SEC championship game. You know, they're an SEC championship win away from the playoffs. But you know, it's, it's the same thing that we've talked about in other podcasts. It's the same thing we've already talked about in this one. Can a one dimensional team on offense and very little defense beat Alabama? Man, I just don't see it. I I, I wrote this down. Uh, they they're gonna win. They'll beat LSU. They, they might beat them worse than we did. I don't know. But starting December nineteenth, I don't know if they'll have 
they'll have at least two games left. They'll have the SEC championship game and then a bowl game, or they might have up to three games left, SEC championship game, semifinals, finals. But I'm going to say this, any game won, December 19th or later, they're going to have to be plus two in the turnover column. Mm-hmm. I'd agree. Did I lose you? I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking you were... (laughs) This is how bad our uh, connections have been. I'm sitting there going, I must have lost him again. You were just through talking. I was done talking. (laughs) (laughs) I had to speak up because your your lag number that I keep up with on the computer wasn't that bad. So I was like, hmm. I guess maybe I, your you know microphone to come unplugged. <laughs> I didn't do my classic. Uh, I didn't do my classic uh, tone, my my voice inflection, and that's why they call it uh, rebar. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so you, anyway. you're right. I, I I sort of had the same notes on Florida, which was uh, you know Saturday. Their their uh, the leading rusher in that game had 49 yards, and that wasn't Florida's running back. That was Tennessee's. Uh, Florida's running <laughs> wow. backs had 17 carries for 19 yards. I mean, they're going to have to do something there. Another interesting thing, and I started bringing it up a while ago when you were making the Mac Trask comparison, but just looking at Saturday's game, and this piggybacks on exactly what you said, too. Saturday, just Saturday only now, the short little sample size, but Mac. Average 13.3 yards per pass. Trask, 8.8. That's a big difference. Almost five yards per pass. That's a mm-hmm. huge difference. When you start talking about, I don't know what his numbers is. I didn't go research this, but Bo Nix, for instance, who's not a good passer, he's probably averaging about six. So Trask is closer in average yards per throw to, to uh, Nick's than he is to Mac. Now, mm. that's just Saturday only. On the season, no, yeah, the both, both guys are, are, are much better than that. But that's, you know, I have that written down while you were talking about, or the, before you started talking about, you know, the, the, the length of the TD passes, and they fall in lockstep with each other. So their game was prototypical this weekend, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, they won't have to run it against LSU either. I mean, who knows? They may not have to run it against us. For all I know, they may throw all over us. But mm-hmm. you, you feel like they have to do something there to compete at the highest level. I don't think they can win the uh, championship, the national championship, without being able to run the ball. So, anyway. No, and that's what – that is what the playoff the playoff system has eliminated is – that oh oh crap we got hot for one game you know um, you got to get hot for two games and the odds of you doing that are very low and, and then they, and they got to get past us you know we'll talk about who's in who's out on another segment here later on last winners a and I mean they just they did what they had to do you know and, and it wasn't a pretty 
wasn't the prettiest of games. I mean, Auburn had a, a six-point lead uh, and had their ball. I don't – you know, any other time that ball is intercepted. But, you know, sometimes when Auburn is, has lost a few games, that ball – what happens to that ball is exactly what happened Saturday. It bounces through the guy's hands and lands uh, – either harmlessly on the turf or it lands in the A&M tight end's hands for a touchdown. And, you know, they got the touchdown, they never look back. And what I'm saying is Auburn's not a good football team. We've established that. Texas A&M is definitely a solid rung, if not a rung and a half or two rungs below Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and we'll include Notre Dame in there right now. But the thing is, A&M won – at Auburn by double digits. There's not a lot of teams can say that as of late. Yeah, you're right, but we, we've we discussed this, and we'll get into this in the playoff scenarios uh, coming up, but A&M got, got the win, but I think we've talked about this before. I don't think – I think Auburn's an average team at best this year. Uh I'd like to say that every year, and that ain't true, but it is this year. We, we, we've said that before. Uh, but A&M is not playing as well as Florida now. They're, they're no, not. No. They're, they're, they're just point blank, they're not. Um, and if, if you put them on a neutral field right now, Florida's going to be a favorite in Vegas. Now, I'm not saying that, a&M got a fluky win against Florida earlier this year because I think we rehashed this a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. A&M beat Florida in every statistical category in that game. Mon threw for more yards than Trask in that game. Spiller had 170-something yards on the ground. A&M won that game in, in every facet. And so I'm not taking that away from them, but just from a, a – Eyeball test, they are not playing as good. You know, they beat they beat Auburn, a mediocre Auburn team, double digits on the road, and it's just not as it's not as an impressive win on the road because of the crowd. I mean, if you had a full uh, Jordan Hare Stadium there, that's a more impressive win. But it's still, eleven point win on the road, give them that. But the previous week against LSU. They they won that game by thirteen. I think I'm still miffed because they didn't cover. But uh, <laughs> but you know, twenty to seven is just not what you expect. Uh, no, not LSU. not from a team that needs to put themselves over a, a, even a Cincinnati or you know, I don't. It's it's so it's so hard to say because they are not. They're guaranteed not to play in Atlanta, so they're not going to have a conference championship game. Uh, as in their column, like some other teams are, but yeah, I know what you're saying. They won unimpressively. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see see if that affects them at all moving forward. Uh, but right now, like I said again, I just think Florida's playing better than them. So yeah, we'll see what the committee does tomorrow night with that with them. I, I think they still leave A and M above Florida. Uh, based on the head-to-head. And I think they should, even though what you're saying, playing better, you know, it just it sets a bad precedent to let a team beat another team on a non-fluke. You know, if it was a total fluke, like Notre Dame beating Clemson, it wasn't a fluke, but, I mean, Clemson's starting quarterback was out. So, it's it, if you wanted to put Clemson ahead of Notre Dame, uh, the game went to double overtime. It was at Notre Dame. I wouldn't have a huge problem with it 
if uh, if Notre Dame had been, you know, faltering and Clemson had just been playing lights out, which neither one's really the case right now. Mm-hmm. But let's uh, slip into losers and we'll go game of the week. And uh, it's actually going to be game of the next two weeks, but uh, and then we'll get on to our, our – uh, football playoff scenarios. Losers, I've got two. I've got Greg Sankey and I've got Bo Nix. Never going to get a – and we don't have any teams because, like I said earlier, uh, at this point, you, if you're a loser, you've already been a loser. You're irrelevant. There's only five, six teams with a chance of the playoffs, and they three of those were covered in the winner section. Uh, Greg Sankey's a loser because he's making Florida and Alabama play uh, this week. He, he should have done what the ACC has done. He should protect – the two possibility, the two teams that have a possibility of going to the playoffs, you know, uh, Clemson and Notre Dame were notified they would not be playing this week if they both clinched and they both did. And, uh, you know, we need we need a COVID contact tracing to flare up at Arkansas or LSU this week because I think if one cancels, both will cancel. I mean, nothing good can come of it. The only thing can come of it is injuries. It doesn't matter, you know, if Bama loses. If Bama loses, then we have to win the SEC – if Florida loses, then it doesn't really matter if they win the SEC. So just a lot of negative can come from this. Uh, and, well, I'll get your thoughts on that, and then I'll talk about Knicks. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that because I don't agree with what ACC did. I, I thought that was horse hockey is what that was for the ACC. Um, they effectively canceled the game between Notre Dame and Wake Forest. What, who, who are you if, when, when Wake Forest gets that call? You know, what do you think if you're Wake Forest uh, uh, athletic director, the head coach, the administrator, the president, the fan base, we're all pumped up against playing uh, the number two team in the country, a chance to knock them off. And Wake Forest is not a terrible team. They have, you know, they've beaten half of the teams or more in the ACCs this year. So that's not a, that's not a gimme win for Notre Dame. But you've effectively – just alienated a fan base and a team uh, for the sake of trying to ensure you get two teams in the championship. That's what that hap- That's how that all goes down in the ACC. The ACC is thinking like the rest of the country that uh, Clemson will exact revenge, and they're going, "Hey, let's not take a chance on Notre Dame losing here." And I would have been really miffed at. at, at uh, if if they'd have done that, if Sankey would have done that, so I don't, I don't, I, I just thought I think that's just a bad look all the way around. It just really is, and, and you know you can push that a little further too. Uh, I heard some rumblings today about the Big Ten possibly trying to relax the rules to let Ohio State get into the championship game if uh, uh, you know if Michigan was to bail out because. You know, they, they, Michigan did start practicing today, but they have a lot of uh, a lot of cases and contact tracing there. Uh, same sort of scenario over in the uh, big uh, Pac-12. Colorado is not going to qualify for the championship game over there because of uh, number of games that they, that they can play, and they may be the only undefeated team out there and not even in the championship. So. <laughs> I, just let them play, man. Just if you're on the schedule, let them play. They they think they were doing Notre Dame and Clemson a favor, and they surely were, but they did wait for us zero favors. Yeah, well, and you know we talked about the only 
uh, Trevor Lawrence's only way to win the Heisman was to, you know, throw basically just torch uh, every team that he played for to the tune of four to five touchdowns every game. So that takes yet another game off. So his Heisman hopes are done. And it doesn't break my heart because, trust me, he's the best player in the country. And uh, But we had the best player in the country two years ago and need to get the Heisman. I'll beat that dead horse to the to the day this podcast ends. The, uh, the last loser was Bo Nix. And uh, like I've called him before, he's a whiny bitch, and he's proved it again in his uh, in his interview, uh, post game interview after losing to A and M, talking about their disappointing record. You know they are now five and four, and I like how everybody's saying they're they're going to end the season six and four. I've seen a couple of uh, even Auburn writers say you know six and four is not a terrible season in what we went through this year. So they're just giving themselves the win at Startville, and like we said last week mm-hmm. or week before. They, the, you know, nobody wants to go to Starkville, period, but nobody wants to go there December. The, it's going to be, what, December the uh, 12th this weekend, and it's a night game. Odds are it's going to be pretty chilly, and I, I just find it humorous that they're giving themselves the, the victory. Uh, A&M had, a very, had all the kinds of opportunities to put them away early in the game and just crush them. You could tell Auburn was not in, playing inspired football, and then they kind of snapped out of it. But Bo Nick said, let me get to the quote, he says, we didn't get to play the bottom four teams in the SEC like some people did. And I'm thinking. Oh, what? Well, I, I mean, didn't even he hear t- that quote. I, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, you know, and I'm like, let me see. I've got the quote on my phone, the actual quote. I kind of paraphrased there. I think I saved it. Um, let's see here. We played 10 SEC opponents, and it wasn't like we were blessed with the opportunity to play the lowest four like some other teams, end quote. That's his exact quote. I'm like, well, I'm thinking, well, who, who did? What, who's he talking about? Like, first off, who's he talking about? What team is he talking about that got to play the bottom four? And I was like, well, who are the bottom four? So let's look at the bottom four right quick. And it, you, it's easy to determine this year. You can you can take two avenues to determine who the bottom four are. One avenue is you take the bottom two teams in the East and the bottom two teams in the West, or you can just they take the bottom four. Yeah, you can take the bottom four teams. <laughs> All together. So I did both. Let's say let's say we're going to talk about the um, the two in the east, two in the west. Okay, breaking it down by division, you get Vanderbilt. They did not play. You get South Carolina. They did play and lost. And so that's from the east. In the west, you get Mississippi State, the very last team. They play them this weekend. And you get Arkansas, who they beat with the help of the referees. So, if you're breaking it down by overall record, you get Vandy, who they did not play. You get South Carolina, who beat them. You get Tennessee, who they beat by 13 at home. And then you get Mississippi State. So, regardless of how you break it down, Auburn's playing three of the bottom four. The only bottom feeder they didn't get to play was Vanderbilt. So, like like I said, he he likes to run his mouth. And, um, and you know, we're, we're, I'm going to call him out on it. Well, I didn't. I didn't even know you were going on that, but that that is a crazy thing for him to say. But yeah, it just three out of the four they played and lost to one and should have lost to uh, to to one of the other one. I, I won't. I, I, they've been on my irrelevant list for a while, so I, I won't chime in. Let's get on to the game of the week. All right, game of the week is Clemson Notre Dame. Um, you know, this is a rematch. The reason we're doing this, I looked at the games for this week. Yeah, we're a Bama podcast, but do we really want to? Do you really want to hear us break down how bad Bama's going to be at Arkansas, or we could have gone with Florida LSU? It's just there's a lot of irrelevant games that are played just to, to fill up TV spots. So knowing this time next week, or at least so you think this time next week, 
wink, wink. Uh, we will wink. be breaking down Alabama versus uh, Florida. So we're going to go ahead and break down Clemson, Notre Dame. Uh, I looked at the stats. Clemson is leading in a lot of the categories when you break down, you know, uh, offensive passing, uh, sacks. I, I did write down all the stats, but there's two stats I did write down. Notre Dame leads in, in – uh, they have a better defense and they have a better rushing attack. I never would have guessed rushing attack with Travis Etienne on Clemson's team. But those two, those are two facts, and it's easy to see because the ACC did play a couple of out non-conference games, but from all intents and purposes, they've been conference only with those few exceptions. So, you know, if you're first in the conference this year, you're first in the conference because you didn't, you didn't play, you know, four cupcakes. Uh, that's facts. My opinion, Notre Dame is better in the trenches. They showed it uh, at South Bend. I think they show it again. I'm going to predict that Notre Dame wins. Uh, Clemson is just not what they were defensively in 2018 or 2019. I've got Notre Dame taking the series uh, this year, sweeping. They will be perfect. as it, The years they have played in a conference, they, have won a, they will have won a conference championship every year they played in a conference. I've got Notre Dame winning. Wow. You're uh, you're sort of uh, barreling down the same road that I was on because I went and, and and looked at this game pretty pretty closely too statistically wise because I wanted to see if the they were there were some glaring deficiencies and and you know in total offense you got Clemson one Notre Dame four uh, I'm sorry points per game offense total offensive production. Uh, Clemson 1, Notre Dame 4. Defense, Notre Dame 1, Clemson 2. They're right there, you know, neck and neck in those categories. Like you said, rushing offense was surprising. Clemson 11th in the conference, Notre Dame all the way up at 2. Almost 100 yards discrepancy per game in rushing. Turnaround, rushing defense, Notre Dame 1, Clemson 3. Now, Okay, so let's rewind the clock. Ten years ago, you tell me a, a team is a much better rushing offense and they lead in rushing defense, that's a recipe for a win, recipe for a championship. I mean, that now that's a 10-year-old caveat. Now you got people throwing it all over the field, which is what we see when we go to the passing statistics. Clemson won Notre Dame 10th in the conference. Wide margin. There's your Ian Book for Heisman there. He's he's throwing for <laughs> whopping 245 yards per game. Uh, pass defense. Clemson also sitting at two, only giving up 200, a little over 200 yards per game. Notre Dame at six. So... The real question here is, is what is going to dominate the game? Is it going to be passing or rushing? You know, if teams think that you have to, to run the ball and play run defense, Notre Dame has the advantage. If you think you're going to have to throw the ball uh, to, to get anywhere, Clemson has the advantage. Uh, really a big advantage on both sides. Notre Dame has as much of an advantage on rushing offense and rushing defense as Clemson has on passing offense and passing defense. And I found that to be very interesting. I went back and rewound the first meeting, too. ETN had 18 carries for 28 yards in that game. Notre Dame's rush defense is not overinflated. If they're going to shut down ETN, and not only did they shut down ETN, they shut down ETN in a game that Trevor Lawrence didn't play in. 
Now, I know there's something to be said for a quarterback coming out there and making you respect him so that you can't load the box and blah, blah, blah. But the the quarterback ukulele or whatever his name was, I think he <laughs> threw for more yards than, than Trevor Lawrence has all year. In that, in that game, he threw for like 439 yards. So they had to respect the pass. Uh, they just didn't do a very good job of defending it. But Notre Dame was balanced in that game, so I. It's hard to uh, it's hard to say that uh, I disagree with your pick going for Notre Dame, but I also think when Vegas comes out with this line next week, Clemson's going to be probably I'm going to say a seven to ten point favorite in that game. And yeah, I'm gonna, I was guessing six I as think, you were talking. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna lean Clemson, uh, and and ACC getting exactly what they were hoping for uh, a split there with Clemson, uh, the conference title holder. Yeah, only thing I guess I'd like to add on the uh, the Notre Dame. Another reason I have them winning is I think they have the mental edge to beat Clemson. I don't think they knew. Could they truly beat them back when they played them, what, I guess, early October? But now they should feel very confident that they can beat them and beat them again. You know, a lot of the times when you see the rematches, the the team that won the first time wins the second time. You know, we've seen it in uh, in the SEC championship game a couple of times. And uh, and then I, I don't guess in the national title, we didn't play Georgia that year. Auburn played Georgia, then we end up beating them. But uh, – in the national title game. But I, I'm going to lean Notre Dame. You're leaning Clemson. Be for an interesting conversation next week. So we, we're we going to look at CFP. We're not going to name our CFP teams tonight. I don't figure much would have changed. Uh, everybody won that should have won. We're going to do a few scenarios. And uh, I think let's, let's get this scenario out uh, first off. I don't even think I wrote it down. Uh, Bama wins and Notre Dame wins. You definitely – Bama's won, Notre Dame's two. There's no argument there. And I, then, of course, Clemson's out, Florida's out. So, I think that does open the door for Texas A&M. I'm going to say Ohio State. My four would be Bama, Notre Dame, one and two. Uh, I'd put probably Ohio State – or no, I, actually, I think I'd put Texas A&M at three. I don't think they want to match uh, us up with A&M in the semifinals. Uh, and then Ohio State at four. I, what you'd have Bama one, Notre Dame two. I get. Do you have a Texas A&M in in that situation where Clemson and Florida? Yeah, I definitely do. <clears throat> Texas A&M. They basically have two shots to get in the playoffs, and I think two and exactly two. They they need Notre Dame to beat Clemson, or they need Indiana to beat Ohio State. You know, or Ohio State to lose, basically. You know, those two need to happen for them to be – or one of them needs to happen for them to get in. But, yeah, in that scenario, Bama one, Notre Dame two. Uh, probably they – you know, you'd say they don't want to rematch. I'd say they don't want the possibility of an all-SEC final. I think they keep Ohio State three, and, and A&M would get the rematch in the opening game. It would uh, eliminate the possibility of the SEC having two in. 
Yeah. So that we, we agree on those teams. Now, the, the first scenario we actually wrote down, and bear with us, it's easy for us because we have notes in front of us, but it, I know a listener, when you're a listener, if you, if you kind of phase out a minute, you, you get confused. So let's cover the SEC. So here's our scenario number one. Florida beats Alabama. So Florida or SEC champs, guaranteed 100% they're in. Bama has one loss, okay? And the ACC, Notre Dame wins. That puts Clemson with two losses. Clemson's out. I think we all agree on that. So Notre Dame, 100% in, no, no questions asked. And then Ohio State wins the, the Big Ten. I, who do you have in that scenario? In this scenario, and this, this is a big, big, big scenario. In this scenario, uh, I think you have Florida and Alabama both in. You have Notre Dame in, and then you have uh, Ohio State, obviously in. And this is this is critical here as far as seeding goes, because Alabama with a loss, Florida with a loss, Notre Dame undefeated, Ohio State undefeated. I'm not so sure you don't have Notre Dame one. Ohio State 2, Florida 3, Alabama 4. That's exactly the way I have it, and it's exactly the way we would want it, you know. Yeah, uh, that's right. I, I, I know Ohio State hadn't played as many games, but I still – there's no way I wouldn't favor them anywhere, including South Bend. I would favor them over Notre Dame. The Notre Dame's going to have to win a big game uh, in the playoffs. I, I know we said they need to win a big game. They did win a big game to beat Clemson, but they – you know, for all when all the marbles are on the table, let's see what they can do. So we're we're in perfect agreement there. Second scenario, Art. So SEC, Bama wins and knocks Florida out. Bama unquestioned number one seed, undefeated. A uh, and M would have a loss. We're going to talk about them in a minute. ACC, let's say Clemson wins this time. So Clemson g- gets the split. Clemson, uh, ACC champs, they're guaranteed to be in. Ohio State wins the big. So basically what you're saying, what we're saying here is Bama's definitely in, Clemson's definitely in, Ohio State's definitely in. The number four spot, do you give it to Notre Dame, who uh, whose loss is who who has a win over Clemson and a loss to Clemson, or do you give it to A and M who has one loss to the number one undefeated, you know, Alabama Crimson Tide? I think it would entirely depend on how those two teams look in their final games. That will be A&M this weekend at LSU. They're getting a they're getting a good opportunity to not I'm sorry. They're not playing LSU. They're playing who are they playing this weekend? Uh, that's um, a great question. <laughs> Missouri. Um, they're playing Missouri. Yeah. So uh, is that right? They, I don't know if that's they right. need it. No, it's Ole Miss. I'm sorry. Georgia's playing Missouri. A&M's playing Ole Miss this weekend. It is. It's Ole Miss. They have an opportunity to win that game big against a weak weak defense, but they need a statement win. And if Clemson Clemson beats Notre Dame handily, A&M may get that spot. If it's a close game, Notre Dame probably hangs on to it. I mean, A&M has to do their part. They can't go over there and struggle with Ole Miss and go into three overtimes, and, you know, it won't matter. But if, mm. uh, if, if, if Bama wins and, say, Clemson steps out there and beats Notre Dame by 21, then A&M gets Notre Dame's spot. 
Yeah, I agree. And I think the most important thing here is Bama gets the number one seed, and then the team we're talking about, whether it be Notre Dame or A&M, they're, they're guaranteed to get the fourth, the fourth spot because you're not going to put Notre Dame ahead of Ohio State, who would be undefeated. You're not going to put them ahead of Clemson, who, sure, they got the series split, but Clemson has won the most recent game and are ACC champions. So, Bama, in the first two scenarios we put out there uh, – or I guess number two, number three, you know, we have Bama playing Notre Dame both times and both games will be in New Orleans. That that sets up perfectly for us. Now, the scenario I think that, that I didn't even put down first, I'm like, we've got to talk about this. It is the most confusing. So, but we have both one-loss teams in ACC and ACC winning. So, we have Florida beating Alabama. They're in. We have Clemson beating Notre Dame. Clemson's in. We have Ohio State, and and with, with those two with those two victories happening, A and M's out. There's no way they they cannot get in over a one loss Bama because we beat them head to head and beat them convincingly head to head. Ohio State wins. They're seven and zero. Big Ten champs. They're in. Now you have Bama one loss, Notre Dame one loss. Who gets the fourth spot? I don't think there's a question. Alabama's resume is way too impressive this year, uh, up to this point. And if they if they happen to lose to Florida in the SEC championship game, they'll have basically lost to the second or third ranked team in the country as their only loss, and they have sailed absolutely sailed and set all the records up to this point. Um, I don't think it's a question. Notre Dame will have one signature win no, over Clemson, which will have been revenged, and they have nothing else on their schedule except for. You know, wins, but the, the, there, there's no other signature wins for Notre Dame at all. Yeah, no, I agree. And the thing is, if you if playing devil's advocate, somebody says, "Oh, Notre Dame deserves a spot." Well, Bama's going to be one. Notre Dame's going to be two going into that final weekend. So you're telling me that Notre Dame can lose to Clemson and only drop two spots, while Bama loses to Florida and drops four spots from one to five. It's just it's just not going to happen. And uh, on this one, I have Clemson one. I've got Florida two over a, an undefeated Ohio State. I think the ACC champion is going to be over the Big Ten champion regardless of who it is. I think SEC and ACC uh, will have a great shot of doing that. Uh, maybe not in that, the previous scenario. Well, actually, I've had OSU two in the other two scenarios. So, again, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. But um, we, bottom line, we get Clemson in New Orleans. I think we're happy with that matchup. Uh, we dodge Ohio State to the finals or Florida, and, and then if we got Florida again, it would be a revenge game. I, I like our chances. So, uh, uh, let's you know, as a Bama fan, let's win in Atlanta in two weeks and, and not have any of this come into play for us. So, uh, let's look at the bets last week. Tom went 4-0. Yep, million-dollar better made $4 million last week. <laughs> I had Bama at 28, and uh, this is when I started cutting out, and it sounds like I might be cutting out again, so we'll quickly go through these. I had Bama minus 28, Ohio State minus 22.5. Both hit, both hit easily. Yep, I had A&M minus 6.5 versus Auburn. That was great. Arkansas had them plus the points come down to the wire. They actually had a 14-point lead there in the fourth quarter and blew it. And I say 14. It was a double-digit lead. They blew it and then lost at the buzzer but still got the cover. I hadn't seen a beatdown on a bookie since, what, 
Big Money started trying to uh, open up a rapping career. He had a pretty good beatdown, but that was that was a big day for us uh, this weekend. Yep. All right. So going into this last week, Slim Pickens on who you can take, who you got for Game One for your bets this week. Game One, I've got um, the game you've already mentioned. The, the entire. Uh, the entire state of West Georgia has already chalked up Mississippi State as a W, and Gus has already said that's a solid year for Auburn because they didn't play any out of conference games there, and he says six and four is a solid year. Well, he's five and four right now, and uh, I don't know that he'll get there. So give me Mississippi State plus the seven. Yeah, I had those, I had them down, but I'll I'll go ahead and give another one. My game one actually had Duke plus five against uh, Florida State. I just I think Florida State is melded in. Duke's not good. Florida State's not good. And uh, I don't think Duke is happy with the way Florida State is bowed out. When's the last time Florida State has played? I don't even know. And, you know, when we saw Bama come off of two weeks, a two-week bye, we were rusty. When we saw Texas A&M come off a two- or three-week bye, they were rusty. I think Duke's going to stay inside the number. That number looks out of whack, so I'm going to go with what looks the worst in Duke plus five. Roger that. I'm going to the my next game. I'm going to uh, Texas A&M Ole Miss. I just thought, got through saying that A&M needed to make a statement uh, here in their finale to, to be fresh on the uh, voters' minds. But when I look at the schedule, A&M's only played two quarterbacks, two true quarterbacks this year. They give up 52 to Mac Jones. And even though they beat Florida, they give up 38 to Trask. I think 16 points is way too much here for Ole Miss that, that can actually throw the ball against that defense. Give me the 16 in Ole Miss. Got the whole state yeah, of Mississippi going uh, in my direction this weekend. Both dogs. I like it. I like it. Uh, I'm going to go round it out with Tennessee uh, versus Vandy. Uh, Vandy's just horrible. They are horrible, and Tennessee's not much better. But actually, the line moved to 15, so I'll take it at 15. Give me Tennessee minus 15 over Vanderbilt. Close out the Jeremy Pruitt uh, 20 year of 2020. And I don't know. I don't think it'll be his last, but it, it might be his next to last because man, they are not happy with him. So uh, on the record picks, Tom takes the Mississippi schools. I take Duke. I take Tennessee. That is going to wrap up this uh, edition of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, remember, if you're traveling from Starkville to Auburn this weekend, go east till you smell it, and then south till you step in it. Da-da-da-da! Go, state! Go, state! (laughs) Take it easy, guys.